Hey, I'm Brandon, the online campus pastor here at Big Valley Grace, and thank you for taking a moment to watch this message. It is the teaching portion from one of our live weekend worship gatherings, and we have those every single weekend here online and in person, and I just want to extend an invitation to you to join us. We're just a local church, local body of believers, and we would love if you would join us uh, on a weekend upcoming here sometime soon. Uh, but as we get headed into this message together, a couple things just want to point you to. One is a connect card. If there's any way that, that we can pray for you, if you want to contact us, that Connect card form is just a really great way uh, to let us know that you're joining us. Any next steps you want to take, stuff like that is right on there. Also, if you want to bring an offering, a worshipful gift uh, to King Jesus, you can do that right on our Give page on our website or via text. So hope you enjoy the unpacking, the unfolding of the Word as we look at it together. Good evening. Happy Memorial Day weekend. I also want to say thank you to all of you who have a loved one, a friend, family member who served, colleague who served in the service and gave the ultimate sacrifice of their life. When we come to this weekend, it's tough. It's tough. And so for you, you're in that category. I just want you to know I'm thankful. I'm very thankful. I'm thankful for the sacrifice of your loved one, of your family member, of your colleagues. I'm thankful, and I'm glad that you're here. Welcome. Welcome to Big Valley Grace Community Church. If it's your very first time at Big Valley Grace Community Church, we're really glad that you're here. My name is Joel. I will be out in the Welcome Center, out in the lobby here through those doors. I'll be out in the Welcome Center after the gathering, and I'd love to meet you. If you're brand new, we just want you to know we're really thankful that you're here. And we're thankful to be a part of a church family. It's good to be a part of a church family. This is our Modesto campus. We have two physical campuses, one in Modesto, one in Ceres. And we're welcoming everyone who's joining us online as well right now. We are going through the Gospel of Luke. So if you have a Bible, I'd encourage you to turn to the Gospel of Luke. It's in the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John is the order of the four Gospels. If you need a Bible, I would encourage you to come to the altar room right after our gathering. This is a room we pray for people in. If you need prayer, we're going to have our team in the altar room. Please come to the altar room. We have Bibles there, nice Bibles. We've purchased them. They're at no cost to you. We want to give you a gift of a Bible. We want to make sure everyone has a copy of the Word of God. Today, we're going to be in Luke chapter 5. And so if you're following along in your Bible, we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 5, verses 27 through 32. And we've got some resources to help us as we go through uh, the Gospel of Luke together. First is there's a bookmark here, and if you need a bookmark, they're out in the information booth in the, in the lobby. In the... This has a reading plan for four months, so we're, we're about one month through the reading plan, and it's easy to catch up, or it'd be easy for you just to pick up where we are. And so if you want to read through the Gospel of Luke with the church family, you can do that. We also have the opportunity for you to receive a text reminder straight to your phone. And we have so many who have done this, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, who have, are getting a text message every day to their phone. And you might want to have that just as a daily reminder to read. Just text the word Luke to 833-577-1604. We also have this. It's a scripture journal. It's from the ESV. It's got the Gospel of Luke on one side, and it's blank 
on the other side. And this is, this is a great tool for you to use for just your daily reading or you, know, you can bring it on the weekends and you can use it to write in. And this one I have right here, I'm gonna give to my friend right there, okay? So there you go, you're welcome. And uh, let, let me pray for us as we get into our time in the word of God today. Father God, Lord, thank you for who you are. Thank you that you call us to you. If, 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 if we don't have you calling us to you, we have nothing. We have nothing. But God, you, you call us to you. And you, you call us and you call us and you call us. And would this be another moment where you call us to you and we respond? And that we would respond to the call of God in our lives. And so, Lord, as we walk with you, may tonight be another special moment where the church family, your family, your body is gathered. And would this be a special moment, Lord, that we would be with you. We've had an incredible time singing in worship to you. We've been able to use our gifts of service, bringing gifts to you. Lord, now we've got our Bibles open, and we want to hear from you. We want to hear you call us. Call us to yourself. And so, God, would you speak through your word? Would your Holy Spirit be at work? Would we be different because we've spent time with you? And so, God, would you do something really, really good in us and among us right now? We're asking, Lord, please be at work. And then I pray this in Jesus' name and all God's family said, amen. 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 13,443 days. 13,443 days. That's how long I've been following Jesus. 13,443 days. It was August 6, 1986. It's the earliest memory I have of following Jesus. My parents came into my bedroom. I was a bottom bunk kid. And... They shared Jesus with me. Now, my parents had been sharing Jesus with me, but that's the earliest memory I have, is 8-6-1986. And on that day, I prayed with my parents. I may have prayed with them before. I may have prayed many times before, but that's the earliest time I can remember, praying with my parents that Jesus Christ might be my Savior. And so being a bottom bunk kid, we wrote 8686 on the bottom of the top bunk. And so every night when I got into my bottom bunk, I looked up and I saw 8686. And that number is forever in my brain because I went to bed looking at it every night. 13,443 days, 36 years, nine months, and 15 days. Do you remember when God called you? Do you remember when God called you? Do you have an early memory of when God called you? He called you to himself. It might be that there's someone here that today's gonna be the day that God calls you. Today's gonna be a great day. It's a great day when God calls. And what we see in this text is a personal call to follow Jesus. It is a very personal call to follow Jesus. And so we get to Luke chapter five, 
verse 27. It says, After this, he, Jesus, went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax booth. So when it says after this, it's referring to the fact that Jesus had just healed somebody, a paralytic who was brought by his friends. Before that, he had cleansed a leper. Before that, he had asked Peter to go out on the boat and they had a miraculous catch of fish and he calls Peter to himself. So it's saying, hey, Jesus has been ministering and after these things, he now is ministering some more. He went out and he saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax booth. Now, for us to really enter into this moment, we need to feel some tension. And so let me help explain some tension that would be present in this moment. From a Jewish perspective in their culture, the worst sin, the worst of worst sin that you could possibly commit was collaboration with the Roman government. Because the Roman government was so severely oppressing the Jewish people in the time of of Jesus. And so think, this is a Jewish man who worked for the Romans. He works at a tax station. He's probably near the shore of Galilee. There would have been a, a very significant trade route from Syria to Egypt. And he has a toll tax He's placing a tariff he's placing on everyone who's coming by. But not only that, he's keeping a little extra for himself. So consider a devout Jewish family, what a devout Jewish family would think when they see a guy like this sitting at a tax collector. They were praying every day, God, deliver us from the Roman government, the oppression. They probably would find it impossible to even look this traitor in the eye. He's getting rich by oppression with the Roman sword. They would have seen this guy as a collaborator, collaborator and an extortionist. This is a better thing. This is a bad dude. This guy, he's betrayed us. Now, when it comes to the issue of taxes and paying taxes to the government, Jesus addresses this issue later on in the Gospel of Luke. In chapter 20, 22, and 25. And this is the first place we see some tension. It says, someone asked Jesus a question. Is it lawful for us to give tribute to Caesar or not? So should we pay our taxes to the Roman government? But he perceived their craftiness, and he said to them, Show me a denarius, so a coin. He says, whose likeness and inscription does it have? And they said, well, it's it's Caesar's. And he said to them, well, then render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. So taxes to the government, Caesar. Tithes and contributions to God. It was proper to give what was due to each. God first. Then the government. So the first place of tension is regarding taxes. The second place of tension, though, that we'd see in this person of Levi is actually in the tithes and the contributions. This is what it says in Malachi chapter 3, verses 8 through 10. This is one of the last things God speaks to his people before 400 years of silence with no prophetic voice up until John the Baptist. This is one of the last things that God says. He asked this question. 
Will man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, well, how have we robbed you? And this is God's answer. In your tithes and contributions. You are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. So God, very big criticism that God is bringing to the people of Israel. He says, bring the full tithe, and a tithe means a tenth, bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And if you go back to the law, you'll see that the reason that it's giving this reference is because, well, when they brought the tithe into the temple, then the people who worked in the temple, they had provision from that tithe. So they had their livelihood from that tithe and contribution that was being brought And so God says this, thereby put me to the test. God's actually saying, put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. See if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. In other words, God's saying, hey, be obedient and bring me a gift and put me to the test and see what I'm going to do. See how I'm going to open up the blessing of heaven and there will be no more need. Put me to the test. He's saying this to the nation of Israel. That's one of like the last things God tells people. And then there's 400 years. He doesn't say anything until John the Baptist. Well, when we see this person, Levi, sitting as a tax collector in his tax booth, we would have both of these tensions in place. The tensions regarding taxes in the government and the tensions regarding tithes and contributions. And here's why. What is quite possible in the person of Levi is that you have a person who is both robbing God because he's not giving God the tithe and the contribution, and he's robbing God's people because he's taxing them more than what he has to because he's getting the extra for himself and he's getting rich off of it. So it's like a double whammy. Levi, tax collector, sitting at the tax booth, Man, he was not a guy anybody liked. If they're a part of normal, you know, Jewish culture, they don't like this guy. He's robbing God. He's robbing God's people. Now, John the Baptist, when he comes, he starts preaching about people need to be repenting of their sins. And one of the things he says is actually about tax collectors. And in Luke chapter 3, so back earlier... As we've been reading through the Gospel of Luke, back earlier in chapter 3, in verse 12 and 13, it says that tax collectors also came to be baptized by John the Baptist. Okay? And John the Baptist said to him, or the, the, the tax collectors said to John the Baptist, they're asking John the Baptist, teacher, what should we do? And this is how John the Baptist responds. He says, collect no more than you're authorized to do. Notice he doesn't say, stop being a tax collector. Now, a lot of us would probably prefer, right? Prefer that, right? If we just have, stop having everybody collect the taxes, that'd be a lot better, right? He doesn't say that, though. He says, collect no more than you're authorized to do. Stop collecting more and taking it and keeping it for yourself. That was the instruction John the Baptist gave to the tax collectors who were saying, what are we supposed to do? How should we repent? How should we make things right? Well, just collect no more than you're authorized to do. So what is Jesus going to do now? It says here in verse 27, after this, Jesus went out. He saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax booth. What is Jesus going to do with this type of person? This traitor. 
you know, this thief of God, this thief of man. Well, in verse 27, as it continues on, we see what Jesus does. And Jesus said to him, Levi, the tax collector, follow me, follow me, follow me. A very personal call to follow Jesus. You know, the Bible records Jesus saying, follow me, at least 22 times. I read all of them. These are the type of people that Jesus says, follow me to. He says, follow me to fishermen, to many disciples, to the 12 apostles, to the rich young ruler, to Peter, to Philip, the crowds, to those who were along the road, to Pharisees, to Jews at the Feast of Dedication, to Greeks. Follow me, follow me, follow me. And then we also see it here in to Levi, the tax collector. You know, there's this initial call that Jesus makes for people to become his disciples. And he says, follow me. And after he says, follow me, you know what he does? He says, continue to follow me. And he keeps calling us to follow him over and over and over and over that we might obediently follow him continuously greater and greater. A little bit later in Luke, in chapter 9, we see this in verse 23. And Jesus said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. This is what it means to follow Jesus. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Doesn't that sound like the exact opposite of every advertisement you see in our culture right now? Hey, have whatever you want. Get whatever you want. Make yourself feel great. Hey, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. This is such a description of, of, of a disciple. And a disciple is a learner. A learner, so coming to learn, coming to learn about how to follow Jesus, learning from Jesus, to learn a life of service, to learn a life of studying God's word, to learn a life of obedience that Jesus is going to teach. And it is to deny oneself, dying to self, and following Jesus wholeheartedly, like all of you, all of me, all of us, the whole person following Jesus. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. So, this is what Jesus says to Levi, follow me. Two words, follow me. There's only two possible responses. A person will either follow Jesus, or a person will not follow Jesus. There's only two teams, Team Jesus and not Team Jesus, all right? Only two teams in this gig. And in this moment, Levi has a decision to make. And the decision is, am I going to follow him? Just because Jesus said it doesn't mean Levi's gonna do it. Am I gonna follow him or am I not gonna follow him? So what do we see? Levi the traitor, Levi the traitor, the traitor of his people, what do we see him do? Well, here we're going to see an incredible personal response to following Jesus. A personal, very personal response to follow Jesus. It says in verse 28, And leaving everything, he rose and followed him. Leaving everything, he rose and followed him. 
And you might be thinking, why would somebody even do that? Well, I can remember when I was 18 years old and I was sitting in a church service and the pastor who was teaching, he said, I want you to take your Bible and turn to Colossians chapter 3, verse 15. So I did. And in Colossians chapter 3, verse 15, it starts by saying, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. And as an 18-year-old, man, I was having a hard time. I was having a really hard time figuring out my life. I was having a hard time making decisions. I was having a hard time finding direction. And when I heard that pastor say, God wants to give you his peace so that his peace can rule in your heart. And when God's peace is ruling in your heart, then you're going to know where to go because God's peace will be in charge. I was like, I want that, and I want that right now. I want the peace of Jesus Christ to rule in my heart because me ruling in my heart stinks, and it's not going so well. And I can remember that moment crystal clear, a moment where God used his word to call me, come after me, because I got my peace for you. Oh, I want that. I want that. I can remember another moment. I'm sitting in church, and just like Dawson, our middle school director, came and shared about middle school ministry at the beginning of our service, someone came and they shared, hey, we've got children's ministry, and we could really use some extra help with musicians for children ministry. And at that time in my life, I had been very involved with music, playing a lot of music, using my music gifts, playing music, and I thought, they're saying they need help with children. They need somebody to lead worship with children. I was like, I got to go do that. In that moment, I was like, hey, I'm here. You don't know me. You can't see me. You don't know who I am. I'm sitting in church, but I'm here. So afterwards, they said, go talk to a guy named Bob. So after church, I start walking around. I start looking for where the kids are. Surely Bob's near the kids. I'm like, hey, where's Bob? I'm not Bob. Hey, do you know Bob? No. Hey, Bob. Hey, no, I'm looking for Bob. I found a guy named Frank. And I said, Frank, they made an announcement in church. They said that with the kids, they need somebody to like serve in music. Frank, I'm here. I play music. He goes, you want to serve? I said, yeah. They made an announcement in church. I'm, sp- I'm supposed to be here. I know I'm supposed to serve. He said, you want to serve? I said, yeah. He looked at me and said, all right. You can start serving right now. Pick up the cord off the ground. Okay. So I got down. He said, roll it up. Okay. Frank told me to pick the cord up, told me to roll it up. Uh Uh-oh. Uh-oh. We got a situation. Frank's watching me as I do it. He's checking me out the whole time to see what's this kid going to do. All right, Frank. And I handed him the cord. Somehow, after rolling up that cord, a series of events took place in my life 
And I am now standing here talking to you. And it started with Frank telling me, roll up the cord. Man, there are moments when God calls us and it changes our life. And that's what happens in Levi's life right now. It says in leaving everything, he rose and he followed him. That means he packed up his ledger, his accounting books. He put away the booth. He responds to the image, the the invitation of Jesus Christ. He acts immediately. He doesn't wait. He rose and he followed him. This action to follow Jesus in this moment for the person of Levi would have been extremely costly to him. This moment would have cost him a lot. He was leaving behind an incredibly lucrative business. Because he'd tax people and then tax them a little bit more and then tax them a little bit more and keep all the extra. He was walking away from his income stream that had provided incredible wealth to him. Consider this. When the fishermen that Jesus called, when the fishermen left their fishing boats and their fishing nets and they followed Jesus, if things didn't work out following Jesus, you know what those fishermen could do? They could go right back to the sea and go catch more fish. In fact, we see the fishermen do that but not Levi. He is walking away from an appointed Roman government post. He's abandoning his government post. He's leaving it all, and he's leaving everything, and he's following after Jesus. Now, two incredible realities I think we see here in this action. The first is we see Levi display such a rapid response, a rapid, wholehearted response to following Jesus, which I think is really impressive. There's a lot of people that Jesus said, hey, come after me, and they said, well, I got some things I need to go do first. And we can see that in the Gospels, people telling Jesus, no, I got a list of stuff I got to do before I can follow you. That's not what Levi does. The second thing I think that's really amazing is we see the captivating power that Jesus has when he calls somebody. Man, when, when Jesus calls you, it grips you. When Jesus called me, it's gripped me. And every time he calls me, I'm like, whoa, I gotta go. Jesus is calling. And his his call is so powerful. It's amazing. And Jesus had incredibly big plans for Levi. Jesus was calling this guy Levi into total transformation. Remember, this guy was like hated. He's a traitor. In Matthew chapter nine, verse nine, we see this account in the first gospel. It says, as Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And he rose and he followed him. So in Matthew's gospel, we find out that Levi is also called Matthew. It's Matthew, the guy who wrote the gospel of Matthew, the traitor who was robbing God and robbing God's people. That's who Jesus called, follow me. I got big plans for your life, man. We see in the Gospel of Luke, in chapter 6, 12 through 16, it says, in these days he went out to the mountain to pray. So Jesus goes to a mountain and he's gonna pray. It says he prayed all night. He continued in prayer to God. And when day came, man, God, Jesus just prayed all night. Something really big's about to happen. It says he called his disciples and he chose from them 12, whom he named apostles. Simon, whom he named Peter, and Andrew, his brother, James and John, and Philip, and Bartholomew, and 
Matthew. And Matthew. That's Levi. That's the tax collector. Robbing God. Robbing God's people. He like made it into the top 12. When Jesus calls, he calls into something big. Into something new. Into a life that's going to be changed. Incredible. So Levi gets up, he leaves everything, he goes and he follows Jesus. And what do you think a person who gets up and starts following Jesus, what do you think the first thing they're going to do is? What's the first thing a person who now Jesus says, follow me, and a person starts following Jesus, like, what, what, do, you, what do you think they're going to do? What, what are they going to just like start praying? Like all of a sudden they just know how to pray and they're just going to pray? Or like they're going to start studying the Bible, like all of a sudden... They aren't going to know how to study the Bible, and so they just immediately start studying the Bible? What do you think a person does? Well, we can see here what Levi does. And what Levi does is he has a community celebration to meet Jesus. He has a community celebration to meet Jesus. The first thing he does in following Jesus is he throws a party. He literally throws a party. Verse 29, and Levi made him a great feast in his house. Big dinner, big dinner, a great feast. And there was a large company of tax collectors and others reclining at the table with them. He throws a community celebration for all of his community to celebrate, to meet Jesus. Incredible. You know, you might think that a person who just walked away from all their wealth would leave, like, they would just be so sad that day. So it'd be such a grim day. Not so for Levi. Man, not only did Levi follow Jesus, but Levi threw a big party for Jesus at his house. And who was invited? All his trader buddies. I'm inviting all my trader buddies, all my thieving buddies, all my sinning buddies. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have them all come. We see here that they eat a meal together. Jesus eats a meal with traitors and thieves and sinners. Did you know that's who Jesus is? Jesus eats a meal with traitors and thieves and sinners. And this is where the concept comes of something we call a Levi party or a Matthew party. And it is when a person comes to Christ, they invite all their friends... They invite all their family, they invite their neighbors, their co-workers, their fellow teammates, etc., etc. They invite them all over to hear about their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I'm wondering how many of us need to throw a Levi party in our neighborhood. Come meet Jesus, a community celebration to meet Jesus. I mean, this is the whole point of the vision that we've been sharing for a few years now. Love your actual neighbor. You know, some people, when they hear this vision, love your actual neighbor, they get stuck because they think it's restricted to your home address, and it's not. What we see Levi do here is exactly loving his actual neighbors. You know, the challenge is don't look past your neighbors, but look at them. Don't just drive by, but come to them. And what we see Levi do is he loves his traitor, thieving, sinning friends right into the presence of Jesus Christ. Levi could have just looked past all of his old buddies and moved on. 
with his new life in Jesus, but that is not what he does. He doesn't look past them. He looks at them, and he invites them to a party to meet Jesus. This is why we keep encouraging you to do a neighborhood meetup. When we talk about a neighborhood meetup, it is a Levi, Levi party. It is an opportunity for a Matthew party to say, look, we got things to celebrate in our life. Our life is amazing. We're followers of Jesus. Our life is amazing. And we just want to celebrate our life and we want to celebrate it with you. We want to know you as our neighbor. We're thankful that you're our neighbor. Man, we want to share a meal together. We just want you to know how thankful we are for Jesus Christ. Now, anytime people throw a party for Jesus, somebody's going to have a heart. Somebody's going to have a problem with it. And that's what we see next. We see next. And it's an objection to sinners being with Jesus. It's so crazy to me that this text includes an objection to sinners being with Jesus. But it's not that crazy to me because I've actually witnessed this in my life. People getting all bent out of shape that Jesus is hanging out with sinners. Or one of Jesus' people is like actually hanging out with sinners. And there's an objection. We see it in verse 30. And the Pharisees and their scribes grumbled. My kids tell me that when I get angry, I, I bark like a dog. And I don't know what the Pharisees do when they get angry. But it says they grumbled. They grumbled at his disciples saying, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? little bit about the Pharisees. The Pharisees believed in salvation by separation, salvation by segregation. They separated themselves from who they called the Am Heretz, which meant the people of the land. And the term was a derogatory term, which meant the people of the dirt, the dirty people, the outcasts, the sinners. Now to the Pharisees, salvation meant staying a safe distance from such people, because if you came too close to them, you could become contaminated. Sound familiar in our culture? It's amazing how some very religious people can take the grace of God saving souls of sinners and make it to, into a sour experience full of bitterness and shame, objecting. To sinners being with Jesus. This is the same as saying, God saved me, but I'm, I'm kind of hoping he doesn't save you. I mean, that's just like really messed up. And the Pharisees would have concluded that because Jesus ate with the sinners, he was accepting them. To share a meal is to be family. Now, the Pharisees were probably not at the party because they were not in the group that it says that Levi invited and also because the Pharisees would not have wanted to be at that party because they saw separating themselves. But somehow they're nearby and somehow they're looking on and somehow they're critical of what they see. You know, some people who are very religious people have a very hard time enjoying the party even when Jesus is the guest of honor. You know, what's interesting is this is the first time that Luke uses the word disciples in his gospel. And it's, it's interesting that the first time he uses the word disciples, it's with the disciples taking the criticism. The disciples are taking the heat here because it says the Pharisees grumbled to the disciples. 
So they're, they're grumbling to Jesus' disciples. And the first time disciples are identified as disciples in the Gospel of Luke, they're taking heat and they're taking criticism. And I would just say we should expect the same as we follow Jesus. As we follow Jesus, we should expect people to be critical. We should expect some heat to come our way by being associated with Jesus. In verse 31, Jesus answered them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. You know, Jesus is not giving a compliment to the Pharisees saying you guys are well and you, you don't need a physician. He's not giving a compliment to them. What, what he's saying is the sickest people at Levi's party or nearby Levi's party looking on to Levi's party were actually these Pharisees. They were deathly sick, these Pharisees, because there's nothing more than being fatally ill and not knowing it. And they were fatally spiritually ill and they had no clue. And if you know that you're, spiritual sick, you're spiritually sick and you need a spiritual physician, then you're in a good spot because Jesus came for you. Jesus came for me. Jesus spent time with sinners, lepers, outcasts, prostitutes, the forgotten, the low. Consider these two questions. How good is a hospital? How effective will a hospital be if it doesn't let sick people come in? Okay, here's another one. How effective will our church be if we don't let sinning people come in? How effective will our church be if we don't let sinning people come in? You know, this is a great reminder about purpose. What is the purpose? The purpose is to bring the good news of Jesus. A purpose to bring the good news of Jesus. In verse 32, Jesus says this, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to to repentance. You know, those who are righteous, they don't think they need a savior. Those who know they're a sinner, they're convinced they need a savior. And Jesus gives the clear call to repent of our sin. Repenting means turning away. It's a complete 180 in the other direction. And Jesus came to call sinners into repentance. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. The first message we hear Jesus preach is repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Like right now, you need to repent because right now the kingdom of heaven is here. We see later in the gospel of Luke that Jesus says, for the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. Jesus came so that we might repent of our sin and turn to him. And you know, just like Levi throws a party every weekend when we have a worship gathering, we're throwing a Jesus party. And every weekend when we have this worship gathering, it's an opportunity for us to come to Jesus, to bring people to Jesus, to meet Jesus. And one of the things that I'd like to do right now here at the end is we're gonna take some time just to be quiet before the Lord because it might be that God is calling someone to repent of their sin. And what's interesting about God calling us to repent of our sin is he continues to call us to repent of our sin over and over and over and over. And it might be that today is gonna be the first time that you're sensing God's calling you to repent of your sin. It might be that today is gonna be another time that God is calling you again to repent of your sin. But we're gonna take some time to just be quiet. The team is going to play some music and this is gonna be an opportunity 
for us to take some time to do some business with Jesus. Jesus came so that sinners might repent of their sin. And when we acknowledge our sin, the proper thing for us to do is to repent before the Lord. And so right now, we're going to enter into a time. This is time to do business with Jesus. And I would encourage you, allow God to bring whatever to your heart and to your mind. Allow God to bring that to your mind. And if God brings something to your heart and to your mind that you need to repent of, then go ahead and do that before the Lord during this time. And just tell the Lord, God, I repent of this sin. If God has brought something to your mind, then I would encourage you to take the time right now and just let the Lord that you're repenting of your sin. He said, I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And if God has brought some sin to your mind, then I want to encourage you to right now repent of it. might be as you're here today that you're recognizing you could use some prayer in your life as you're repenting of sin before God today and if you'd like to receive some prayer I'm going to pray for whoever would like to receive some prayer right now and so if you want to stand wherever you are right now I'm going to pray for whoever's standing and anybody who would like to receive some prayer great that's great anybody else awesome Yep. Yep. That's good. That's real good. I'm going to pray for all of you who are standing. Okay? Father, thank you for those who are standing, who are recognizing that right now they need Jesus. And they might be recognizing it for the first time or for the first time again and again and again and again because, God, you keep calling us to yourself and you keep helping us understand how much we need you. And so, Lord, for those who are standing, you're doing something in their heart right now. You're calling them to yourself. And God, I pray over them. I pray that you would bless them, that you would encourage them, that you would continue to draw them to the truth of your word and by the power of your Holy Spirit, and you would do a great transformational work in their life. And whatever it is, the reason that they're standing right now, God, I pray that you would meet them right where they are in that reason of why they're standing. You'd meet them right there. And God, they know that you're with them and that you love them. And so I pray blessing over them. 
in the name of Jesus Christ and all God's family said, amen. Let's all stand together. We're going to close by singing some lyrics together. And as we sing these lyrics together, may God use it as an encouragement to us of what it is we just got done praying about. So let's sing this together, guys.